Yeah, sometimes, uh, sometimes appearances can be deceiving, can't they? Sometimes reality is actually different than appearance. Sometimes when you open up a present and you think, wow, this is a MacBook, it's actually not. Some things that might look impressive actually aren't. And other things that actually don't look impressive at all actually are. And this is certainly true as we think just a little bit this morning about the Christmas story from Luke chapter 2. There were all kinds of very impressive kings and rulers and leaders around the time of Jesus' birth and certainly prior to that. At the time of uh, when Jesus was born, there was a certain king named Caesar Augustus. Sixty years before Jesus was born, in fact, Caesar Augustus was uh, adopted by Julius Caesar. That was his great uncle. If you care a little bit about history, Julius Caesar died. Caesar Augustus became the new king, the new ruler. He was 36 years old, and Caesar Augustus ruled with absolute power and privilege. Caesar was actually treated as more than just a human being. He was actually worshipped as a god to the people that he ruled. And by all accounts, this Caesar Augustus was, well, he was a very, very impressive king. He built all kinds of great buildings. He established a, a road, a Roman road system. He rebuilt Rome. He established a courier system. It was a time of great prosperity for a limited number of people, basically his friends, his cronies. Caesar Augustus maintained power and control over his people by amassing a great army. But in order to keep the army loyal to him, he had to pay them. And he had to pay them very, very well. So how could Caesar Augustus afford to pay this massive army that he would use then to exert power and control over his people? Well, he had to raise taxes. There really is nothing new under the sun. So he he raised all kinds of, he kept taxing all the people, and he would use this tax money to, to do whatever it is that he wanted to do, whatever he deemed important, whatever would help him maintain control and authority. In this case, he raised taxes on the people to pay for loyalty for this massive army. But in order to know who to tax, in order to find out who was actually living in his kingdom, he, he ordered a census. He had to find out. He had people register. So people would travel from all over the empire, and they needed to travel to their place of birth. Now, I think in, uh, in the United States here, we do a census, I think it's every 10 years, isn't it? Uh, 2020, I think, was the last one, which 2020 is probably a bit of a blur to everybody. But I think, I recall getting something in the mail just saying, you just fill this out, here's the number of people that live in your household, you send it back, and that's it. That's, that's all. It's not very complicated at all. But in the first century, taking a census or registering was, was actually very, very complicated because people, oftentimes very poor people, would have to travel sometimes days to get to their place of birth in order to register so that they could be counted so that Caesar could then tax them so he could raise more money. So there was kind of a double whammy here. Not only did you have to pay a very expensive tax, but you had to travel long distances with your family in order to do it. So it was incredibly inconvenient, it was expensive, it was difficult, it required a long journey, 
But that's how Caesar Augustus maintained his control over his people. And that's the background to the Christmas story as we read it here in Luke chapter 2. If you have your Bibles, you can, you can turn there. I'm going to make reference to these verses. Luke chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. Caesar Augustus orders this command, all the world will be registered. So how powerful is this king? I mean, how powerful is Caesar Augustus? He could command the whole world. And and guess what happened when Caesar Augustus gave a command? Well, people followed. They did it. When he issues a decree, it is followed. So when Caesar ordered every person to be registered, the whole world, well, every person did exactly that. So we read in verse 3, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. Caesar Augustus, very, very impressive, very powerful. There's no one on earth that is more powerful. When Caesar Augustus says something, people do it. Caesar Augustus can get you to do stuff that you don't want to do. He get, that's what he did for, for his whole reign, in fact. And sometimes it was very, very awful stuff. But in this case, Luke 2, verses 4 and 5, we read then that Joseph and his very young, very pregnant wife, Mary, traveled a great distance. They made the long journey from Galilee to Bethlehem to register. Why? Because that's what Caesar said. Now, here comes the plot twist in this great Christmas story. Caesar Augustus is the most powerful man on earth, very impressive, very prosperous, built all kinds of big buildings. You would look at him and say, that guy is powerful. But even he doesn't know the effects of what he just ordered. His decree... To take, which brought this young man, Joseph, and his wife, Mary, basically about 60 miles. It was a three-day journey for them. His decree brought them to Bethlehem, and yet Caesar, for all his might and power and impressive wealth, he actually doesn't get what's going on. He doesn't know that his decree for a census would actually lead or what it would lead to. Caesar Augustus doesn't realize that his command for a census which he thought would be to maintain order and control and power and wealth, would actually lead to Joseph and Mary coming to Bethlehem where a baby boy would be born who would be a king of far greater importance than him. So Caesar Augustus is about to get a Christmas Day surprise, at least to him. But it wasn't a surprise to God, and it wasn't a surprise to those who 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 knew God. Because Caesar Augustus, in issuing this decree, which he thought would be for himself to raise more money, assert his power, well, God had a plan as well. And in fact, Caesar Augustus, in issuing that decree, had just fulfilled Scripture written hundreds of years earlier through the prophet Micah, Micah chapter 5, verse 2. But you, Bethlehem, Epaphra, though you are small among the clans of Judah, translation, Though you're very unimpressive, though there's nothing noteworthy about you, 
Though you, Bethlehem, Epaphra, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come from me one who will rule over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. So Micah had said, look, when there's going to be a baby boy born in Bethlehem in the city of David, he's going to be the Messiah, a Savior. And so it's as if when Jesus is actually born in that manger, there's like a giant flashing neon sign pointing to the manger, pointing to the stable, saying, this at last, this is the true king. This is the Messiah born today in Bethlehem. Caesar might appear to be king, but the baby born in Bethlehem was actually the true king. And so what Luke gives us here in Luke chapter 2 is really a story of two kings. Caesar Augustus looked like the greatest king on earth. I mean, nobody could tell him what to do. He had immense power. He gave orders. People followed. You don't dare cross him. And yet it was his insatiable desire to maintain control over his people and over the kingdom that actually God used to reveal that not all was as it seemed. Caesar's decree for a census actually revealed the birth of another king, the true king, God's appointed and God's anointed Messiah, born in all places, a manger, verse 7. And she, Mary, gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. Friends, sometimes what appears to be really, really impressive, Caesar Augustus, really isn't. And sometimes what doesn't appear to be all that impressive at all, a baby boy born in a manger, no fanfare, actually is impressive. Jesus is the true king, but he doesn't look like the true king does he? But it's not Caesar Augustus who is Savior and Lord. It's Jesus. It's not Caesar Augustus who is the Son of God. It's Jesus. It's not Caesar Augustus who will usher in the kingdom of God. It's Jesus. And it's not Caesar Augustus who will one day give up his life on a cross for people who were enemies of God. That's Jesus. Jesus is the true king, but he doesn't really look like it, does he? He's not surrounded by all kinds of powerful people. He's not surrounded by legions of servants. He's not surrounded by armies ready to do his bidding. He isn't commanding the troops. He's not issuing decrees, raising money to try and assert his control and power over people. No, God's king is a baby born in a feeding trough, and he is surrounded by farm animals. So who really deserves the title of true king? Who really is the true king? In Luke chapter 2, appearances don't match reality because Jesus is the true king, not Caesar. And sometimes appearances can be deceiving. 
Sometimes you open up a present, you think it's a MacBook, you even give your pastor a hug. But not all is as it seems. And sometimes what doesn't look to be all that impressive at all is actually the most spectacular thing in the world. Jesus is the true king. And we need to hear that message, don't we? We need to take that to heart. We need to be reminded of that. Sometimes it's actually hard for us to really believe that Jesus is the true king when life doesn't go as you planned. Sometimes when our lives don't go the way that we planned, it's hard to admit or at least confess that Jesus is the true king, that he actually is in control. We may even be a little bit embarrassed to talk about Jesus, embarrassed to admit that we actually do believe he's the true king, that he is God in the flesh, he is the one come to save us from our sins. And perhaps if you have family members or friends or neighbors or colleagues at work that don't think that, we, we, we can easily shrink back from talking about that. But this passage actually says that, well, that's okay, because not, is, not all is as it seems. At times, appearances can be very, very deceiving. And so even though we struggle from time to time because of our own sin, because of sufferings, because we live in a sin-cursed world, we're tempted to see only what's kind of right in front of us. And Luke really reminds us that, but you don't want to miss what the Lord is actually doing right in front of us. Because sometimes, all is not as it appears to be. And brothers and sisters, at Christmas, the reality is far better. Because Jesus is the true King, born in a manger, to save us from our sins. And He's deserved to be worshipped every day. Yes, on Christmas Day but every day.